welcome. You ready to get into the Word? Yeah. I love the Word of God. It is the truth. It is life-changing. You know, um, you can't do one without the other. You know, getting to the presence of God and experiencing His presence is so real. It's so necessary. But letting God shape our understanding and our mind both together is what brings change over time. Are you with me? It's transformative. Today we're going to be uh, finishing off our series called Home. Home has been all about bringing heaven to earth. Our home, each one of us, where we live, is a place of safety. It's a place of relationship. It's a place of nourishment. It's a place of belonging. At least it should be. That's what home is. Ultimately, our home will never be found here. It's in heaven. That's what the Word tells us. But we, as long as we're here, we are called to build a home away from home. We're called to make earth like heaven. In fact, that's what the, the Lord's Prayer is. Father, our Father, one name, hallowed be thy name. Let your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. A home away from home. And so we've been looking, uh, we've been going through this series and we've talked about looking up, putting God first building a Christ-centered culture. We've talked about leaning in, the importance of community. We've talked about reaching out, not living a self-centered life, but looking to others as well. And today we're going to be talking about expand, and we're going to talk, which is about personal growth. These are our cultural statements. Look up, lean in, reach out, and expand. And we're going to be talking about growth. Growth. I want to ask you a question. What is the greatest thing that you can bring to this world. Have a think about that. What is the greatest thing that you bring to this world? Can I suggest you, exactly the way you are, exactly the way God intended you to be, you are God's gift to the world. You are God's gift to the world, but not any version of you, because let's face it, there's a version of me that may not be actually that good, that may actually be a menace to society, you know what I'm talking about? But I'm talking about the version of you that is planted in Jesus Christ, that is growing, that is flourishing, that is bringing life, destiny, and purpose to yourself and everyone around you. I want to suggest to you, you, as a person growing in Jesus Christ, being everything that you were called to be, is God's gift to the world. You are called to grow. You are called to expand. You are called to multiply in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? There's some synonyms, synonyms of grow. It's multiply cinnamon. Yeah, th thanks for laughing at me. <laughs> There's some cinnamons of <laughs> grow, multiply, fruitful, flourish, healthy. The opposite is this, is dry, stagnant, stuck in a rut, trapped. And sometimes we all get there. We all feel that way sometimes. 
So today I want to talk to you about health and growth because healthy things grow. And that's what we are going to speak about. And we're going to go to a passage of Scripture in the Bible where Jesus speaks to a lady at the well. And this encounter completely transforms this person who is in a tough situation and initiates freshness and growth and health in our life. Is that good news? So we're going to go and read the Scripture. Uh, It's John chapter 4, verse 4. Why don't you turn there with me? John chapter 4, verse 4. And before we do that, we're just going to pray. Jesus, we come before you just like this lady. And sometimes we don't even know what we need, but you know exactly what we need. And we pray, Lord, that for each and every one of us, including myself today, that you would provide what our soul needs to prosper so we can live a big, expansive life. We can be fruitful. We can be filled with joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town called Samaria, uh, to a town in Samaria called Sydney. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't look up how to say that. You know, it's Saicha, you know. It's probably more like, you know, Arabic, Sah, or something like that. But um, anyway, Saicha, we're going to call it. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus tried... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. It's the middle of the day. It's hot in the Middle East in the middle of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, There's a couple of things here that we're going to stop. I'm going back to the scripture soon. But there's a couple of things here that are very um, specific, peculiar to that culture that we may not fully understand in our culture. We're like, that's a little bit weird. But the one thing, the the first thing is, is that a man and a woman couldn't talk in public together because the the idea was like, hey man, are you hitting on her? Like, what's, what's, what's the go? And it's, it's odd for us to think of, of this, but in Middle Eastern cultures till today, you know, you, you'd have chaperones, you'd have a multitude of people around, and it's just not okay for men and women to ch- talk in public. It's just like, if that's happening in public, imagine what's happening behind the scenes. It's just a we, it's a different mentality to, to where we, but we got our own peculiar cultural things as well, right? Like, you know, Aussies have their own culture that no one else would understand. Like, you know, there's Aussie culture, there's Aussie slang. You know, if you went to most places in the world and go, hey, you going, big fella, that might not be appropriate. <laughs> you know, I mean, th- th- you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's, there's, there's things that are associated with, like, if you wore a blue jersey on Origin Day, on our state of Origin Day, you know, you might get shouted down. No, leave the church. No, no, I'm kidding. We'll pray for you later for deliverance. Uh, 
Like, you know, we got on like the other day, it was, you know, all these different people having different diets and different, you know, I mean, people would be like, you know, back in the day, well, like, why would you be a vegan? Also, you know, like things like that. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of like our culture. We've got peculiar stuff about our culture, and sometimes it just seems normal to us, and what someone else does, it seems really odd. But if we're to understand what's going on and how meaningful this interaction is for this lady, we've got to step into her culture. Now, another thing that's happening here is that there's a big racial divide. There's, there's some racism happening here. You've got the Jewish people, and you've got the Samaritan people, and the Jewish people saw themselves as superior. Okay? And so, it's not, we, we have racism in our world today as well, so it's not, it's not that hard for us to understand that these people didn't hang out with those people, and so... This lady is a little bit like, she replies in kind. She's like, how come you, a Jewish man, talking to me, a Samaritan woman, at a well at noon, there's no one else around, and your friends are going to, well, she didn't know, but we're told that the disciples are going to buy food. And so Jesus steps outside of social convention, not sinning, but he'll step outside the social norm so that someone can be saved. That's a good lesson to us, especially those who have been in church a long time, because we get really uncomfortable breaking outside of social convention. That's not what we do. That's not how things are done. If it's not sin, we can do that to win people for Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, we have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I, can keep, uh, so I won't keep getting thirsty and have to come here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. What's going on here? Now, you don't have to be a theologian to work out that Jesus is probably baiting this lady. Right? He's like, give me a water. No, um, well, why are you talking to me about water? And he's like, well, let's talk about living water. And... You don't have to be a genius to work out. She's completely missing the point. Like, they're, they're talking about, Jesus is using an analogy of water for the life that he gives that springs within us, that's, uh, that, that wells up within us like a spring that leads to eternal life, and she's not getting it. Have you ever had a conversation with someone that uh, you were completely at different levels and you're completely missing each other? You know what I'm talking about? Hopefully that's not this message here. <laughs> I'm just speaking and whew. Um, but have you had this conversation with someone? Have you ever told a joke and then you had to stop and explain it? You know, you're like, you didn't get it, you know, knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. 
Boo-hoo. No, don't cry. It's just a joke. And you're like, what? No, your boo hasn't boo-hooed. You know, as soon as you've lost them. You've lost them if you have to explain it, right? And so here, here's what that, that's what's going on. Jesus is having this interaction, and they're like on two different levels. Like, it's actually quite funny when you think about it, right? So Jesus rocks up to this lady, hey, can I have a drink? And she goes, I'm not sure you should be asking me for a drink. He goes, look, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd ask him for a drink, and he'd give you living water. She's like, but you asked me for a drink, so you don't have any water. Where are you going to get this water? He goes, no, no, no. That water that you drink, you're going to be thirsty again. But the water I give you is going to well up within you towards eternal life. She's like, so I don't have to come to the well again? Hey, go get your husband. <laughs> now, slightly embellished, admittedly. But, but in reality, like if you read the scripture, read it again and tell me I'm off. So Jesus, what he does is he's like, he's gone this whole thing. He's explained to her. She doesn't get it. And so what he's done, he's pivoted. And he goes, okay, let's, let's go at it another way. Let's, let's go at it another way because the analogy didn't work. So let me just get to the point. And here's the point. She, he asked her, go call your husband. And she says this, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, sir she, uh, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, remember I said this is a very conservative culture? Now, in our culture, if someone has, you know, has had five husbands, you're like, well, each one to their own. That's a lot of wedding cake, <laughs> you know? But in that culture, it's not just like a lot, of, a lot of expensive weddings. In that culture, it's like you're an outcast. There is something defective about you. Theologians have suggested that this lady was going to the well in the middle of the day at noon because no one else was there. She was a social outcast. So you see what, what she's going through, you see her life, you see you know, how, how people think about us or how we perceive people see us really matters to us. We might act like it doesn't, but it actually does. And so she is here, this person, this outcast that's going in the middle of the day, and she encounters Jesus. And Jesus points out the elephant in the room <laughs> that she didn't know that Jesus knew about. And apparently he's okay with it. He's okay with what happened in the past because he's got something better for her future. This is good news. This is good news to you and me because it means that despite what happened in our past, Jesus offers us a new destiny and purpose. Let's keep reading. We're going to skip to verse... 27. Just then the, Bible, uh, the, the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. We talked about why they were surprised. But no one asked him, what do you want? No one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Like who's going to question Jesus? <laughs> then leaving her jar, 
the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Skipping to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said. We now have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Ah, wow. Isn't this amazing? She starts off as an outcast, and God uses her to save her town. That's what Jesus does. I have this cross around my neck. One of my family members gave it to me. I don't even know who. He gave it to me when I was a young, young man. And what it represents here is hope. It represents redemption. It represents freedom. But in Jesus' day... It represented torture. It represented human suffering. Like if anyone in Jesus' day wore a cross around their neck, their mom would call him in, slap him over the face, take it off right now. But that's what Jesus does. He takes an instrument of pain and torture and makes it a symbol of hope. And this is what he did in this lady's life. Brought hope. I want to have three, I want to share three items, three points Three principles that we can apply to ourselves from this story that may help us in our growth, our personal growth. The, one, the, the first one is really, really simple. I think it's very, very clear to see in Scripture. Number one is this. Jesus is water for your soul. Do you think that's one of the main points that he's bringing out in this story, this narrative with her? When was the last time you went for, like, you were, really, you were really tired? You went out, maybe you went out for a run. Maybe you would, I wouldn't do that. But, you know, maybe, maybe some of you, you went out for a run or you did something and you were absolutely thirsty. It was hotter out there than you anticipated. And, um, and you didn't have any water with you. But then you came back home and, you know, you went to the fridge and that bottle, the cold bottle of water, and you throw it down. You know that feeling? Come on, people. <laughs> Yeah, you know that feeling? The freshness, the, oh, that, that's life. That's like, man, I needed that. Right? That's what Jesus is for our soul. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe you're not feeling that, that wholeness. You're not feeling that growth. You're not feeling that freshness. You're not feeling that joy. You're not feeling that hope for the future. Maybe you're actually feeling stuck. You're feeling dry. You're wanting more. You're stuck in a rut. Where, where is my growth? I'm not dead like this woman, right, who is in the middle of the day. She, she doesn't have these friends. She's not, she doesn't have like what seems to be a bright future. Maybe you even feel in that way. Maybe you feel a little bit like that. Can I just encourage you that Jesus is water for your soul? Jesus is water for your soul. And so many of us, so many people in our world go looking for this replenishment in so many different ways. You won't find it at the bottom of a bottle. You won't find it in drugs. You won't find it in sex. You won't find it in people knowing your name and being famous. 
This refreshment for your soul will only come from one place, in the presence of God, in the understanding of His teaching, and in a community of people that have built that culture around the work of Jesus Christ. The presence of God, the teaching, and the people. There was this... um. It's an old word we don't use anymore, but the old Christians, the old hats used to use it. Uh, it's called tarry. Have you heard that word, tarry? You haven't heard that word? People shaking their heads. Who's heard the word tarry? Come on. Yeah. Tarry, to tarry, okay. You, often when you, you, know, you, talk, uh, you, you read revivalists, the old school people, and sometimes even you know, uh, people before that, the Puritans and like, they'll use this word tarry, tarry, and it's to wait. If there's one thing our culture is no good at, it's waiting. Come on. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, we don't like, we don't like, a, like a, a 30 second short. We're like, we're, we're flicking that. We're not going to wait till the end. We're going to the next thing, right? It's like, why watch a whole movie when you can watch like 5,000 shorts in an hour? <laughs> like, you know, we, our culture is just, we're, we're conditioned not to wait. I'm, it's not, look, I'm not having a go at everyone here. This is, like, that was her culture back then. This is just our culture now. This is just what it is with technology and everything like that. That's who we are. But waiting, hanging out in the presence of God. It's like, oh, I, 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 I worship for, you know, I put some music on, I listened for 10 minutes, I didn't feel anything, I walked away. Like, that's what fasting and prayer is for. You know, I was convicted this week sometime, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to be preaching about this. I went away, I just put away some time, put away three hours, and I'm just going to stay in the presence of God. Most of the time, I didn't feel anything, but there were some points in that where, like, I was, I was touching heaven. I was feeling the heart of God. Because there's a time to tarry. There's a time to wait. There's a time to go, I need to fill up. I need to fill my soul with the presence, with the understanding. And sometimes that tarrying happens with people as well in fellowship. You know, I, I learned a little bit of a principle about this in, um, in the drought that we had about, you know, about 15 years ago. Remember the drought? You know, everyone we had, you know, we had four-minute showers and stuff. If you were in Brisbane at that point in time, well, there was a drought. And um, I remember there was a lot of commentary about the weather. Like the weather discussion was an actual thing. We needed to discuss about the weather. And... Um, I remember some experts talking about this and said, you know, what we don't need right now is a massive downpour. We don't need that. Because what will happen is the water will just run off and not actually sink into the soil. What we need is rain, not that powerful downpour for an hour or two hours or even ten hours. We need like a week or two weeks of rain that will just slowly come down, right, sprinkle down, soak the soil, that's a great picture of tarrying. Sometimes we come to church and it's just, and we're out. <laughs> and we're out the door. And it just kind of like hits the surface and goes off because the, hard, the, the ground is hard. But sometimes we need to spend time, cultivate a culture in our life to, to spend, to tarry, to tarry. Spend time in the presence of God, to spend time alone, to spend time in His Word. And go, oh, I got that point, time to go. No, no, the Word of God is not just something that you just quickly understand. It's something that you chew on. 
It feeds your soul. You digest. You don't, you know, your body doesn't work like I've eaten. I am strong. Look at my muscles. You know, it's like that doesn't how, that, that's not how it works. It's a process. It's digestion. You give yourself the time it takes. That was a good, that was one of the points that you see here. Jesus is water for your soul. Number two, Jesus will go there. Jesus will go there. We talk to someone where you kind of, there's been some, there's an elephant in the room, right? Maybe you had a fight. Maybe something happened in their life. You know, maybe they've gone through a, a, a crisis, a, um, a breakup, a divorce, something, and you're like, you're not quite sure whether you should bring it up. You know what I'm talking about? Just like the elephant in the room. Apparently, Jesus will go there. <laughs> Jesus goes and points out the very thing that is encapsulating her identity. You know, we all have our Sunday best, right? I hope you're wearing it today, Sunday best. And then we have our Monday uniform, right? And then we have this clothes that we wear in the house that we don't want anyone to see us in. <laughs> you know? And as soon as, someone, as soon as someone knocks on the door, you're like, oh, man, oh, go, get, you go get the bar towel or something. No one's meant to see me like this. It's just annoying. Well, we all have stuff that we're happy for people to see. And then there's that stuff that's no one else's business. Right? It's no one else's business, but that's the stuff there that defines our self-worth, our effectiveness, our future, our perspective. And Jesus, he'll go there. <laughs> he'll go there. But here's the thing. He won't go there because he's mean. No, 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 no. He's not going there to go, Haha. look, like people will do that. People will point out your weaknesses just to make themselves feel better. But Jesus won't do that. In fact, Jesus pointed out this person, go, go get your husband. Not because you go, huh, I knew you only had five. There you go, bad person. What was, his, what was his purpose in the earth? What was he preaching? The kingdom of God has come. There is repentance. There is forgiveness. There is a new future. There is growth. You can turn from one way and turn to another. You have a new life, a new perspective that I can give you. Come to me. And that was his purpose. Come back, repent, take your rightful position, leave a life of second best, be healthy, grow, expand, and be fruitful. That's why he will go there. Because the truth is, if he doesn't, we'll stay the same. Now, I don't want to minimize suffering. I know there'd be some people here that have gone through some real stuff. Real stuff. And I know some of you. Like, I've talked to people who have been, who have been through, who have experienced homelessness and cancer and betrayal. And over time as Christians with Jesus, they've come out on the other side stronger and flourishing. And I'll be honest, I know some people on the other side of that coin that have suffered and haven't leaned into Jesus. I want to tell you guys, Jesus makes the difference. Jesus makes the difference. He is water for our souls. And we, He won't go there unless he is lifting you up. 
He's bringing you up. He's, this is not about condemnation. This is not about pointing out our mistakes. This is not about airing our dirty laundry to everyone else. This is about you and your Savior initiating growth in your life. Perspective, a new purpose in your life. And number three, we see fruitfulness. It's, we see fruitfulness. She goes to all her town, and she says, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. See, it would be easier if everything she ever did was, she was proud of. It was posted all over social media. But everything she ever did, she was not proud of, and she kept secret. And so this man she was a prophet, was someone else, and she went and she testified to what this man did in her life. It seems that her shame was changed into confidence. It seems that her hiddenness was changed to like a candle standing on a table because she experienced Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I want you to notice one thing that her boast was not in what she had done or what she had overcome. Her boast was that, come and see Jesus. Are you with me? When someone has truly experienced the mercy of God, it doesn't big note themselves. You don't go, wow, look at me, look at what I did. It's like, look at the grace of God. If He can do that to me, what's He going to do to you? And here we have this lady that, that is filled with confidence, that's filled with a purpose, that's filled with, I need to tell someone what he did in my life, what he told me, and I need to point other people to him because they need the Savior. We've all been waiting for the Messiah, and maybe this guy is it. And you see this fruitfulness and the multiplication, but it's not based on her, on her ability to get over the five husbands or whatever else and to clean up her life. It's based on the mercy of Jesus. This is good news. This is good news for all of us. Many people have made a, many people have made a difference, have walked through an arduous journey of past hurt, pain, betrayal, addiction, shame, disappointment, to take hold of their fruitfulness. I want to ask you, are you one of those people? Are you one of those people that will come to Christ and say, God, I want to be fruitful, more fruitful. Would you go there? Would you encounter me on my journey? Joseph was taken from a prison to a palace. Moses couldn't speak properly. And anointed by God, he was able to lead a nation. Gideon was weak, but he became a warrior. Jacob was a cheat, but became the father of a nation. The 12 disciples were not the elite. They weren't the best. They were the rejects. But God chose them to lead the greatest movement the world has ever seen. Because that's what Jesus does. He transforms, brings growth and transformation. Because healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. God wants expansion in our lives. He wants expansion in our church. Our, uh, uh, if we were to make this a corporate perspective, our, our church mission is 
to see people saved, disciples made, leaders raised, and congregations planted. God wants to see expansion, but it doesn't come through strategy and planning. It comes through people experiencing God. People in their lives, in their hurts, in their past, coming into the presence of God, receiving His life, His perspective. So often, the, the, the very thing that breaks us is the thing God uses for us to minister to the world. So often. So I have, I have to ask you are, you, are you living an expansive life? Because this is what Jesus wants for us. Aaron, can I get you on the keys, man? As we come to a close today, perhaps the Holy Spirit has shined a light on your life. And maybe you're here saying, God, I, I want to see growth. I want to see multiplication. There are parts of me that are just not healthy. I'm leaning in all, on all the, the wrong things. I'm going to all the places that, or maybe some of the places that are not healthy. We're all in a different place here. We're all in a different journey. And maybe right now, this morning, you're meeting Jesus at a well. It's where your journey intersects with His eternal plan. And maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but there's something right now He's stirring with you and he's saying, you're saying, God, I want to I expand. I want to I multiply. I want to be more effective in your kingdom. I want to be more effective as a, as, a, as a friend, as a brother, as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a worker. I, I just, I want to sense your presence. I want to tarry. I want to, I want to experience God in a different way. I just what, what I had yesterday was great. What I had in 2023 was great, but God, I want more. I want more. If that's your heart and that's your hunger, God wants to fill you. There are some prayers that you don't have to wonder if God wants to answer. God, fill me. God, use me. These are prayers that are powerful and effective. Are we willing to tarry in the presence of God? Can we stand together as we finish this up? Just with every head bowed, every eye closed. I was at a, a meeting, a pastor's meeting this week, and the pastor said something along the lines of, hey, if you're sensing God speaking to you, raise your hand and respond to the message, and I did. And I want to give you the same opportunity. With no one looking around, this is a private moment. But you're sensing God, God, you're calling me into growth. You're calling me into a new season. You're calling me no, no longer will I stay. No, no, no longer will I stay. I, I want you to deal with stuff. I want to step out. I want to grow. I want to be healthy. I want to multiply. I want to step forward. If that's you, with no one looking around, I'm not going to call you at the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you right where you are. If that's you, why don't you just put your hand up right now. Just put, it hand up, put your hand up right now. Awesome. I see this hands. I see this hands. Is, is anyone else saying, yeah, yeah. God, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these hands all over the place, Father. 
Lord, I just thank you, Father, that you respond to faith, you respond to our desire, and you fill in the gaps, God, because you know that we, well, we're just human. We're, we're but dust. And we grow through the power of Jesus Christ. And we look to you, Lord God. And I pray for everyone, Lord God, that place their hand up with this desire to grow. That you would, you would visit them this week, this week, as they tarry, Lord God, and they are filled up in your presence, Lord God, that you would speak into them. While we're in this space of worship, before we dismiss everyone, I want to give you an opportunity, maybe for the first time, you've recognized the gospel, which is simply this, that Jesus has come, taken our sin upon himself, and he has died, and we are forgiven based on faith. The weight that we carry is no longer ours. This lady went away from that, that well in joy. If that's you here and you're saying, yeah, I, I want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've made a decision before and you're, you're like, you know, I haven't, haven't lived this out. The, God is calling me back home. He's calling me back into relationship. With no one looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, why don't you just put your hand up right now and put it down. Is there anyone saying, yeah, God's calling me back home. Thank you, God. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you that it's powerful and effective, transformative. And I pray, Lord, during the week that you would keep bringing it up to us so that it would change our understanding and we would see much truth. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Guys, uh, thank you so much for being here today. It's been an amazing morning, powerful worship. For those of you joining us for this is Cover Lunch, we will be starting in about 15 minutes or so. Um, if you need prayer for anything, don't leave this place without having um, us, uh, some of our team, pray with you. Um, we would love to pray with you. And uh, please, don't leave this place. Otherwise, grab a drink, and we'd love to catch up. Be blessed. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.